All right, so. Wow, just as I hit record. A project meeting? Proposed new time? What? 7 p.m. to 7.45 p.m.? What the hell are you doing here? See, now I have my work calendar on my phone calendar, which is nice, because I can just always be connected to work, no matter what. <laughs> oh my goodness. Speaking of work, man, this is very nice people. Very, very nice people. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here, and I, I know I shouldn't be talking about this, but I, it's probably not going to last very long. It's not going to work out in the end. I knew that before I even accepted the position. And that's an unfortunate thing because, I, you know, you go in there thinking, I wasn't thinking the worst. I was, you know, trying to, trying to have a good outlook. But, eh, like I've said before, you just, you know. When you know, you know. You know? And I knew. And it's, uh, you know, you, you, you combine some other things that are not job-related, but uh, you know, on the compensation side of things, there's, you know, some stuff went up, some stuff went down, and it, it may be it just, you know, that alone, it might not work out in the long run. Then uh, that's what happens when you're kind of up against it and you say, okay, well, this thing that I'm on now could be coming to an end in two weeks. And then on January 1st, am I going to have an income? And, and then something comes along that allows you to have an income starting on January 1st and, and for an indefinite period of time with benefits and other nice things. And so you say, okay, let's do this. If it was, if the choice was between the job that I had and the job that I had said, hey, we're going we're gonna to keep you extended indefinitely fuck covid and fuck budget we're gonna just keep you coming back there would be no question i'd say okay you got me honestly if if the job that i had that i left in december or that i left on january 1st had let me know <laughs> or, in, or like on december 1st that they were going to extend me even just for another month uh that's the path i would have gone down and I went against my own, you know, I kept, all year I said to Kim, I said, you know, even if I, even if I don't know until the middle of the month that they're extending me, I'm just going to wait because I want, I want to work for this company for as long as I possibly can because this is potentially the best role that I've ever had. And I went against my advice. And now if I had, if I had gone with that, I, I would absolutely, 100%, I did get extended through January on the on the last job. But maybe that would have been it. And maybe last Friday would have been my last day. And I'd be sitting here saying, <laughs> hey, I'm in trouble. I, I need to find a job. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, this this buys me uh, the time that I need and the and the compensation that I need and some benefits and things that are good to have to keep that thing going uh because goddamn i will i think i've proven over the last uh however many years that i will do what it takes i don't think i'm an exclusive club there when i say that i think that applies to just about anyone but fuck i will move from new york to florida and from florida to north carolina and north carolina to new hampshire 
and here and there and everywhere in between and whatever it fucking needs to happen to make sure that those goddamn paychecks keep coming in and that when I move on to something else that the paycheck is bigger than the one that I left behind. And that is the one thing that uh, that is different from all the previous experiences that I've had. Every time or the last 13 years that I've left a position and move on to something else, it was for higher compensation. Didn't mean the job was necessarily going to be better. Didn't mean the scenery or the geographic location was going to be better. But certainly I knew that there was going to be some more buckaroonies in the old bank account every other week. And uh, and this is the first time that that's not happening. And like I said, it, we made we made up for it in some other areas. Uh, the the benefits are truly out of this world. They're they're unlike anything. I didn't know something like this even existed. It's incredible. Uh, it really is incredible. And we've been taking advantage of that in the short time that I have had my physical. Uh, the kids have had their physical and. Sh- some shots and uh, different doctor's appointments and dentists and this and that, everything in between. And Kimmy's been, I mean, we're, because I said, listen, make these doctor's appointments now. We got this really good insurance. Let's go, <laughs> let's go crazy. And uh, and that's what we've been doing. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't see this going for a terribly long time. Which I knew, I knew that. I knew when I said when I signed up, I said, "It's is this is over before it's even started," based on the salary alone. And I negotiated. I, you know, they gave me a pretty generous offer, and I said, "That's not even close to enough. You have to at least get to this to even have this conversation." And they did. And then I tried to squeeze some more out of them because it still was kind of low. And I said, "Well, you make it just a little bit more," and uh, that's. That's pretty good. And they didn't. <laughs> and that's when you know you've maxed out. That's when you know that if you got, <laughs> if you got, and I didn't ask for a lot when we, we negotiated, we went back and forth, as is the, that's what you do. You negotiate, you don't take the first offer. Um, you know, only an idiot would do that. They make an offer and you counter. No matter what is happening in the economy, no matter what. I've, I've never not nego- I think I think the only time I didn't negotiate was my very first job because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And so, okay, and I was making, you know, peanuts at Barnes & Noble, and I, I'm like, okay, well, this is shit. I'm going to get all these day of vacation days and benefits, and the salary's not that great, but, wow, this is, and it was such a great job. Oh, my God, it was, it was a boring job, but it was so just no stress, just awesome. I had three-day weekends every week at one point because they did flex. It was during the, the 2008 economic collapse, and we did flex time, which meant I worked 10-hour days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I took Monday off, and I would go golfing, and I would just hang out, and Sunday night was like easy and fun. I didn't care because I didn't have to get up for work the next day. It was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. That was the one time that I didn't negotiate because I didn't know... I just didn't. I was so like, I got to get a job. I didn't even care what they paid me. And they didn't pay me shit. But it was a great, it was, you know, I finally had my foot in the door of this industry of ours. And uh, and then the next one, it was, yeah, it was the end of 2008. It was in the middle of the, again, it was the, it was the economic, uh, you know, the collapse of 2008. 
I didn't have any, I didn't have any leg to stand. I have no leverage, but I knew because <laughs> I had interviewed for the job four months earlier and never heard a peep. And suddenly they're calling me on New Year's Eve Eve to offer me a job. And they offered me X and I said, make it, make it this much. And then they, they met me halfway and I said, oh my God, this actually works. So you can negotiate your salary. Look at that. I wonder how much money I left on the table at the last place. Well, anyways, it doesn't matter because I'm moving on and I'm making a ton more at this new place. <sighs> then after that, same thing, you know, negotiated an okay salary when I went to Florida, uh, but was able to get all con- – like I held out. I turned them down because the salary, although it was uh, like 50% more <laughs> than what I was currently making – uh, I still, I just turned them down because I didn't think, I didn't think the benefit of the vacation time wasn't as much as I had and other things. And, you know, in my heart of hearts, I did not want to move to Florida. And then they came back and they said, okay, we're going to give you, we're going to pay you three months worth of Cobra and we're going to give you this and we're going to give you that and we're going to pay for you to move down here and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And I said, Okay. <laughs> can't i guess i'm gonna do this and uh yeah it's it's just you know you always negotiate same thing when i came up to boston they gave me an offer that was really really good like oh my god like (laughs) a a considerable amount let's see i would say 30 25 percent more than i was making at the time and then I said, that's not enough. And then they added another 10% and paid for the move and all these other things. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Does that mean it works every time? No, but it's worked pretty much every time. So maybe actually, yes. <laughs> there's, you know, you can, there's, there's always room to negotiate. And if there if they, if they isn't, it's probably not like the greatest place to work anyways. If they're not going to like fucking sit down at the table with you i don't know i don't know what you're doing <sighs> but in these weird times it's it could be desperation and you might just say okay i need to take the first offer i didn't know if i was going to have a job in two in the middle of december i said in two weeks i might not have a job and these guys made me an offer and i said that's way too low and i i made a, a huge counter offer you know my i said this is what it needs to be knowing that it would never be that much and they came back about halfway. And I said, and then I still came back and said, that's still not enough. And then they said, I'm sorry, we can't, that's, that's, our, that's our cap. <laughs> um, which they told me, they said, that's probably what you're asking is, is too much and probably the absolute max is X. And I said, okay. And uh, so I kind of said like, this, this is wait, this is still really low. I don't know. You need to give me some time to think about this. So and then I thought about it and I said, well, shit, I, I don't have a job as of January 1st. So this, this ensures that I have a job starting on January 1st. What am I going to do? I'm going to say no. So here we are. And it's a very good place and it's very good people and very good benefits and very so-so salary. Um, full disclosure, it's, my lowest, it's the lowest salary I've had in about f- – 2017 was the last time that this was my income. Now, it was a little worse in 2017 uh, because I paid more for benefits and I paid, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month to commute to Boston every day. So I am pocketing 
more money and there's a bigger opportunity for bonuses and all this other stuff. Okay. That's good. It's still it's still so much lower than what I was making as a contractor. Uh it's it's just yeah. I don't I don't know. And then the other thing too is I said, "Well, you know what? I get it. It's a smaller institution. They can't pay as much. And if they gave me what I wanted, I might be making the same as my manager or too close for comfort to say, okay, well, now we need to give the manager a raise, that kind of thing. So I get it. And I also thought, well, if it's a small bank, you know, big banks can pay you more, but big banks are usually more demanding, more demanding of your time and your resources. And sometimes they can really run you into the ground. That's not typically the case with the smaller institutions. It's, it's more of that kind of mom and pop, you know, there's tons of work to be done. Um, but you're, you know, you're not going to be working 80 hour weeks, 60 hour weeks even. And, and this place is a little different because it's a small bank and they, they pay small bank. It's a little bit more than what a small bank would pay. It's, it's, it's quite generous, but for me, I'm, <laughs> I'm at a place where, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's whatever. It's probably, it's a little embarrassing when I say like, oh, they're paying me peanuts. They're not paying me peanuts. They're, they're most definitely not paying me peanuts. But it's, you know, you get used to, you get used to a certain amount and you plug that into your budget. And I have a 10-year budget spreadsheet that goes out forever. And this is what I'm going to make. And then this is what we'll save. And then, you know, my kids have been assured numerous times that they will never pay a dime for college and that's that's also part of, you know, moving to this place and that place and taking this job and leaving the one that I liked for the one that I hate because it pays so much more and this and that. It's this is just all for my kids. You know, this is like I'm trying to find a balance. Right? You try to find a balance like how much what's the max salary I can make while maintaining a quality of life, a work-life balance that works for me. And the last two years gave me exactly, exactly what I've been looking for. I don't, I am no stranger to the 50, 60, 70 hour work week, 80 hour work week. 80 is a bit of a stretch. I, you know, that's not too often, but you know, the very long, the well over 40 hours work week, I'm no stranger to that. The difference is when I'm putting in all that time and effort and I feel it is a complete waste because nobody cares, it's being done for the sake of being done, I'm going to work my ass off on something for a purpose that doesn't seem necessary and the result is going to be, uh, you know, I don't need a fucking ticker tape parade every time I do my job, Uh, but if I go above and beyond, I want you know, somebody to just say like, Hey, I appreciate that. I know you were here until 10 o'clock last night and you caught the late train home. And then you were back here by 7am the next day, which means you probably got up at four 30 to get to the f- whatever five thirty train to get here. I appreciate your fucking, you know, grinding it out for this shit. When that's not what's happening. And instead somebody's saying, okay, but what about this other thing? <laughs> what about this? When are you going to do that? 
okay, you gave me this, but what's... And, and that happened years ago. That's what it was like. And then I left that. And then for the last two years, I've been in a place where uh, it's not about the appreciation and the recognition. I don't give a shit. I'm there to do a job. I don't need to get recognized. I don't need to fucking... One of the places used to give out these little e uh, e recognition and all this. Uh, somebody, oh, so and so, you know, help me with a spreadsheet, and I and it's very nice, but it's like, oh, God, you don't need fucking. It's nice because you could actually cash it in for like Dave and Buster's gift certificates, and you know, we had a Rainforest Cafe like a hundred dollar gift card for my e recognitions that I had, and for all this like my gold medal and whatever the hell I did, it was nice. Uh, you know, you could put a monetary value to it, which was cool. I don't need that shit though. What I need is good salary, benefits are nice, and work. At this point, I I would like to be doing some work that is meaningful. And for the last two years, the work that I was doing, I felt good about it. The, this last year, I actually on Sunday nights instead of the like queasy butterflies, like oh god, what's gonna work starts tomorrow? Oh my god, it was. Oh man, I got some I got some ideas for what I want to do this week on this and that and the other thing. And I'm kind of excited. I wonder what's gonna to happen tomorrow at work. This should be pretty exciting. I got some I got some stuff planned and I can't wait to see what people think uh about the about the shit that I put together for them. And it was really that was the first. That was the first. And now I'm at a place where I'm just like, eh, that's kind of you know, there's some trade-offs, but I need to I need to get back to that. And there's no guarantee. That's the thing. There's no guarantee that it's going to happen here or at the next place. But I, now I've had a I've had a good solid taste of it, and I want that. I want I want it all. Is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> I want I want the salary and I want the benefits and I want the feeling of like, hey, this shit that I'm doing, I'm not just like wasting my life away. This t- okay. Last night was Friday, and I had back to back to back to back to back. Endless meetings. This place is fucking... I've never seen... I've worked for places that are notorious for having meetings. And they they got nothing on this place where I'm working now with the meetings. Meetings upon meetings upon meetings to talk about the meetings, to plan for the meeting, about the meeting, about the next meeting. And it's no wonder why emails are going out at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. I just got an email as I hit record to record this segment of the podcast. An email came through, a, a meeting invite, a fucking another meeting, and I'm like, I'm setting. I'm like, you're working on Saturday. I report to you. I know what's in my. I already did. I already worked on the the first holiday in two years that I've been paid for, and I had worked on it. On Martin Luther King Day, not the whole day, but a good few hours, two or three hours of that day, I was doing work. I finally got a fucking holiday that's paid, and I, oh no, and now I'm, I'm now I'm not getting the holiday, and I'm not a contractor, so I can't just like I can't bill you for this holiday. That's another thing too. I got used to when you're a contractor and you're budgeted for forty hours, you work forty hours. I being to. The greatest thing two years ago, my first contract in a long time, and I got to I got to Friday and I said, "Listen, I had to stay late a couple times this week to do this thing for you." I think uh, I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna hit forty hours around noon, and they said, "Get the hell out of here at noon," and I said, "Okay," got on the train and got the hell out of there. Uh, 
9 a.m., I'm logged in. 5 p.m., I am closing that laptop. 40 hours. Boom. Done. You want me to work more? Great. You can pay me more. Just pay me for it. That's all. I'm just going to I'm going to bill you. And now it's like, oh, I'm back to the salary thing. And the great the great uh, deception is that like a salary is like this great thing. It's like, well, what's your, you know, you're, you're a salaried employee, which means you get the benefits and you get this and you get that. And if they if they lay you off, you're going to get some severance time. You might get a few months where they're going to keep paying you. Depending on your tenure with the company, it could be a year, it could be two years that you just get to go home. If they if they lay, if they have layoffs and you're part of it, you could just you could just take like a summer vacation. You could have a year off. You could do whatever. You could get a new job and have two income, two salaries. You get your severance and your uh, your new. I mean, you know. But while you're there, if you're working, <laughs> that that nice salary suddenly reduces because you're working. 50 hours, 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week. So now you're now you're really being paid half because you're giving you're giving twice the amount of time to this job. So if you're if you're looking at it as an hourly wage, you're not getting paid anymore. If you were if you're a salaried employee working 40 hours versus 80 hours, you're getting that you're getting paid the same no matter what. So now now my hourly rate has now halved it's now half of what it was. And the contract thing is nice because your hourly rate is your hourly rate. If they want you over 40 hours, that is only going to go up because now they have to pay you more. And they might have to pay you that rate times two, time and a half, whatever. So it's a little bit of a yeah, it's a little. It's a bit of a shock. After two years of being on a contract, I'm saying to myself, "God damn, I really enjoy being on a contract." At most contracts, you get paid every week. That's nice too. Nevertheless, the last year was such joy. Such I had never known what it was like to actually. I've known what it's like to go to work and be happy, because there's people there that you like to see and hang out with and have fun, and you do your work. And it, maybe sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But there's, there's a lot of shit that you like, and it's okay. I've known what it's like to go to work and say, I hate this. I hate every second that I'm here. It's miserable. I hate it. This was the first time that I knew what it was like to go to work and enjoy you know, the people. Everybody's great. Everybody's really nice. And, and the work that I'm doing, it makes sense to me. All of it is meaningful. I, I you know put together my years of experience to be strategic, to know what senior management wanted before they even knew they wanted it. So that when we get on a meeting and they would say, Hey, I need somebody, I need you to put this together for me. And I would say, Oh, I already have that. Here it is. And then I would share it with them on the screen and they would say, that's it. That's what I want. Send it to me. That's great. It was just everything. Yeah. Just firing on all cylinders. It was the first time ever. That it just, it just checked. I've said this before. I'm repeating myself, but it checked all the boxes. It was so fucking good. And now I've kind of, and, and, the, and the, the thing that I left, you know, there was a decision that needed to be made as far as moving forward, you know, from a software perspective, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? They still, as of today, haven't made that decision. And that's why, and the budget, you know, the budget ran out. And so, who knows? 
there's a chance that I head back there at some point. I don't know when that would be. It could be in a year from now. It could be in two years from now. I don't know. But it's very, it's actually the first time that I have, usually anytime I, whether I love the job or hate it, if I leave, I'm like, hey, great. Here's, here's all my stuff. Here's everything, everything that I've worked on, all my files, all my spreadsheets, all my everything, all my notes, all my procedures. It's in the shared drive. It's in the SharePoint. It's in this, it's on that, whatever. Go get it. Here it is. I'm done. Brush my hands, hand in my laptop, hand in my badge. See ya. And that's it. This was the first time ever where on the last day, (laughs) on New Year's Eve, I was just... I was beside myself, like, I can't believe I I have worked so hard to create all this meaningful stuff, and now I'm walking away from it, and I'm leaving it in the hands of somebody else, and they'll be fine with it, but, like, that's that's me, I made that, and, and God damn it, it meant something, it's weird, it's a weird feeling, I've never had that, like, wow, this is this is what people who are, like, you know, people who find fulfillment in there. I, now I get it. This, is a, this last year was the first time that I said, oh, this is what it's like to have some kind of fulfillment. This is what people feel like when they're, when they're, they feel like they're, they're contributing something meaningful and it makes them feel good. And they, they're actually looking forward to the next day of work in a weird way. And there were times that I would work, uh, you know, late at night and I would just say, you know, whatever. It balance. I'm not gonna. I'm not like putting extra hours on my timesheet for this week because next week, I'll probably, uh, you know, I'll go step out for a you know grocery shopping trip at lunch. And it might take me a couple hours. It all just balances out. At least it did at this one, at this job. So whatever. Some days I work uh, sixty hours, and some days it's, you know, it's a little lighter, and I can take a longer lunch or go for a long walk in the morning and things like that. And none of that. Last night I was done at seven o'clock on a Friday because it was meetings after meetings after meetings. And it was just me pulling all the notes and action items together for those meetings. And just, it's like a Groundhog Day kind of thing. And yes, I know Groundhog Day was this week and the Groundhog Day Marathon was on AMC. And I love that movie. And the Stephen Toblowski, you know, Phil. you know, that's, that's, that's one of the funniest scenes in any movie ever. Anyway, uh, but the real Groundhog Day that I've felt for the last uh, month or so where it's just, it's just this cycle of like, oh boy, uh, I am just not into any of this at all. Not at all. So I don't know what my point in saying any of that was, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what I, st- what my initial point was. That's, that's the thing too. You get that stress and anxiety and then your my 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 head gets cloudy. It's probably I'm 40 and I'm gonna have like severe dementia sooner than later. And maybe that's why I do this podcast so I can tell my tales while I <laughs> while I can still remember them. Uh, and yes, I know that uh, I sound like somebody who has Alzheimer's because I've just re- been repeating myself for the last several weeks. But yeah, nevertheless, it's uh, I I I just I guess that was my point. Is I I feel like it's going to I feel like it's going to come to an end. Here's a weird thing. I I don't. I this is a. I've never worked at a place where everybody seems to like. Like a lot of places I've worked that have like a lot of meetings and your calendar fills up really fast, and you're on meetings and you're like, why am I even on this? 
And other people are like, oh my God, the fucking meetings all the time. This place, it's it's tons of meetings. They're they're most of them are pretty necessary. Uh and I get my involvement on on most of them. Um <laughs> but everybody everybody seems to enjoy the meetings. And I was on a call yesterday and I saw the agenda for this meeting and it had it's supposed to be kind of a a lighter sort of check-in, a little more informal. And the person who organized the meeting put an agenda together that had like eight items on it. And that was pretty heavy stuff. And like, uh, we got on that and one of the participants, and this isn't, look, I know sarcasm and I know not sarcasm. This person without any sarcasm, no sarcasm, looked at the agenda and said, whoa, eight items. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Finally, somebody's going to, speak up and say like what the fuck are we doing with these eight items this huge agenda for what has up until now been a pretty nice kind of casual friday call you know we discuss lots of work related stuff but we keep it light you know a little little bit of bullshit because you lose that in the virtual environment too you lose that sort of water cooler like you know hey i'm between meetings what do you you know just bullshitting about like a tv show or the sports or something you lose all of that in a virtual environment. So this has been a nice meeting to kind of to kind of have that. And so the meeting agenda <laughs> of eight items. And one of the people on the meeting looked at it and said, like, oh, ooh, lots of lots on the agenda today. I'm excited. This is exciting. This is exciting. Lots to talk about. And I'm like, are you fucking This is the same person who very sweet person, really nice person. And and seems to be fun and funny and stuff. It's the same person who, uh, you know, I, I I told a joke. We had a it was just the two of us on a call, and I told a joke, and their response was, <laughs> the response to everything that I said was laughter followed by, "That's comical, that's comical, you're comical." Normally, that would be like major sarcasm. And this could be like sarcasm that's at such a level that I can't even pick it up, but it's not. I, I assure you, I assure you when I say this is not this is not what we're dealing with. This was like your response to me to, I've never heard somebody say that. That's that's comical. Your your humorous anecdotes are comical to me. Ha ha ha. And uh and it was the same person who said uh, and and again, if boy, I will, I will, I will get on my knees and bow to the sarcasm. If that ends up being the case, I know it's not, but if it ends up being the case, it is, it is the greatest example of a smartass I've ever seen, uh, responding to my jokes by saying that's comical, and, and and which is also like, I mean that's that's usually a, if somebody said that that's they're being a smartass, but this person was saying it sincerely, that's comical. You're comical. <laughs> and then I got on the on this call yesterday. And I said, "Ooh, eight items. I'm excited. This is exciting. This is an exciting agenda." And the way I'm saying it makes it sound like this person is being sarcastic because I don't know how to say something like that and not be sarcastic. But I assure you, this was sincere and genuine. Mm. And uh, it's just it's mind blowing. They these people love meetings and they love 
They love touchy-feely stuff, and I can't stand that. I become friends with people at work to a fault sometimes, as we know with, uh, with my, my former friend who was probably never really a friend, Eric, who I mentioned a few weeks ago, the uh, Confederate flag-waving, transphobic douchebag who is Eric Riera. Uh, that was, you know, I become, I just, I, all these places that I've worked, I've made so many friends. When I worked at Barnes and Noble, the summer that we got married, half of that banquet hall was <laughs> tables filled with Barnes and Noble friends, not coworkers, my friends. They joked that our wedding was the Barnes and Noble prom. And, uh, and I've been to many Barnes and Noble weddings and there's a whole bunch of Barnes and Noble babies and, all the places I've worked, I've been very fortunate to pick up a lot of friends to leave there. If Even if I hate the place, I've left there with friends. Every place that I've worked, I'm still in touch with at least one, if not many, many people from each of those places. And uh, <laughs> it's all happened organically. And again, the virtual environment does make it somewhat challenging because you're not just sitting there. There's the down, downtime is you're by yourself at work. Downtime, you could be sitting at the desk with your desk mates and have a little chit chat, a little banter, lunchtime on a break and a whatever. So I get it. And so, but this whole, like the forced, because we have this whole very, very formal, very businessy sort of call. And then at the end, okay, everyone tell me about your favorite childhood memory. And I'm like, gee, we've got like three minutes left in this call. We've just, I'm exhausted from all this, from being inundated with this information and all these new to-dos that I have. And now I have to think of my, in two minutes time, I have to think of my favorite memory from childhood. And then in the previous ones, uh, you know, what's your favorite thing to do on the weekend? What's your favorite thing, favorite place to go on vacation? What's your favorite? And I'm just like, this is not how uh, I, I, I used to make fun at the last place that I worked. Uh, my manager, and I would make fun of uh, one of the project managers because he would he would try to do that. He would try to end a call and say, like, hey, guys, let's do animal trivia. Let's talk about our what are you guys doing for the weekend? And I'm like, I don't want to fucking tell you. I want to just finish my work so I can start my goddamn weekend. Just like yesterday. I would have loved to have saved some of that time so I could have gotten a jump on the work that I didn't get a chance to do until close to 4 o'clock that took me until 7 o'clock to finish because I had been in nonstop meetings because every day is nonstop meetings. So then when you throw in like, what's your favorite memory from childhood into these meetings, it's I don't want to do this because I don't have time because this is wasting time. I want... Here's my favorite childhood memory. It's my kids' childhood memories of them having a father who wasn't sitting at work until 7 o'clock on a Friday night and could hang out with them and do stuff with them. That's There's a childhood memory that I would like and that I've had, that I've been able to provide for my kids for the last two years. Eh. Yeah. So, and and the thing that I, and this is what I hate, is because now, now I'm going to be, I'm going to be labeled. You ask this one question, it's a snapshot of something, and now I'm going to be that guy. So on the first one, what are you? What are you? What are your plans for the weekend? What's your favorite thing to do on a weekend? And one was like, I like to s- snuggle up by the fire with a good book. 
And the other one's like, I, I like to, I don't know, eat soup. I don't know what the hell they said. I, you know, it was a bunch of, I like to, I'm going to go skiing. I like to go skiing. Okay. And, uh, and it got to me and I'm just like, I don't fucking know. There's so many things that we do on the weekend. Uh, I like to do the birthday boy podcast where I, where I make fun of wherever I'm working. You should go listen. Um, <laughs> I, so it got to me and I'm like, I, I don't know. So I just said, look, my ideal, vi- my ideal weekend is to just sit from sun up on Saturday until sundown on Sunday and do nothing but play video games. That's my weekend. That's my ideal weekend. If you must know. And, uh, and that's really all I said, cause I couldn't think of anything. And then yesterday, what's your favorite childhood memory? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's lots. Listen to the birthday boy podcast. I'll tell you some of them. Uh, my, my favorite childhood memory was uh, December 1st when I had not yet been offered this job and I would like to go back to that moment so I could tell myself like, Hey, it's not that great. You can turn it down. Don't worry about it. Fucking take unemployment if you need to. <laughs> It'll be better. Oh my God. Uh, so I just said, uh, you know what? I, I can't think of one in particular, you know, being put on the spot here. Um, so I will just tell you, I have so many fond memories of playing video games with my friends. I'm just keeping, you know, the video game theme. I'm like, I told you I love an ideal weekend for me is playing video games. And my childhood memories, it's Nate and it's Joe and it's Double J and it's my sister and friends and family and like hanging out by the Christmas tree playing video games, hanging out on a summer's day. You know, the times that I would bring video games out on the back porch and we'd, we'd play, you know, Mario Party, a little older than childhood. But, you know, inviting myself to Shimo's to play the Super Nintendo, going over to Nate's to play, to play Sega CD. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's it. I guess, I, you know, I don't have a specific one. I just I, I have so many memories of playing video games with my friends as kids. And they're all still my best friends. And we don't get together that much. But, you know, we would still play video games together if we did. And, uh, that's my memory. Okay. And then another person's favorite childhood memory was like eating a bowl of soup. I don't know. I, I don't remember. There's something about something about soup. Somebody eats soup. Somebody, you know, okay. That's fun. That sounds fun. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> and then, so, <laughs> so then at the end of the day, my manager called me at about five o'clock. I said, oh, oh, good. Oh, good. Let's let's regroup. Let's have our five o'clock on Friday. This definitely can't wait till Monday. Regroup. A good old f- end of the day on Friday. Touch base that can absolutely cannot wait until Monday morning. This is it's imperative that we have this discussion now. And it was just a brain dump. My manager just uh, here's what I'm thinking. I want to do this. I want to do that. And when we talk on Wednesday, I would like for you to put this together and a draft of this and of that. And I'm like, oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. And like, so uh, are we going to cancel some of these meetings? No, we're not. We're going to have double meetings and then all this other stuff. And you're, and I'm making my lowest <clears throat> salary in five years. Okay. This, this is all, this is all heading in a good direction. This is going to, this is going <laughs> to, this is going to last a long time. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> so there's one thing about me. I don't give a fuck. I will fucking, I will leave town if I can't find a better job. It's happened four other times. I don't want it to happen. I'm not planning on it to happen. There's plenty happening in Boston to keep me here, but I can't tell you 
how little I will sit around and wait for a job to get better because it won't, especially if it starts on day one. If you get to the end of day one and you say, that sucked, which has never happened before. Even the worst, the worst place I ever worked was Robert Half. Even day one, even the, the whole first week was pretty laid back. It was not that bad. I got the impression after the first week that like maybe this won't be so bad. And then the second week was, yeah, this might not be so great. And then by the end of week three, okay, this is horrible. I'm, I got to find something else right now. And then we fucking left the state and we haven't been back. And that's what happens. And then when I'm in a, you know, when it's a bad situation, I don't mind. I will, I'll leave companies. I will leave zip codes. I will leave, I'll leave time. I haven't left time zones yet, but it's, you know, it's probably heading there eventually. I don't know. I hope not. I hope this is it. I hope I'm, I hope I'm right here for the long haul, long run. But I don't, uh, life's short. I'm not going to sit around and say like, oh, maybe in two or three years, I'll, this will, this will be better. I just don't. I just, I'm like going to go. I'm, I'm out of here. And I'm glad I do because again, the last two years, two years ago, I left a place that I absolutely despised and then had two really great jobs after that. Two great contracts. <sighs> yeah, I know nobody cares. I'm like on the birthday boy podcast. I'm just talking, uh, just talking about my, my woes my gripes and grievances about life but that's okay because this is this is my fucking podcast and this is what i want to talk about right now so you'll get the cliff family at some point but right now you're fucking getting this and you you know it's okay uh (laughs) so so at five o'clock like okay okay we'll do yeah we'll do all those things by by tuesday sounds good sounds great and then we're getting off the phone, and my manager says, well, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you can play lots of video games. And I'm like, oh, ex-. and then there we are. And there we have the reason why I hate this contrived, let's think of a question every week. What's your favorite childhood memory? What's your favorite thing to do on the weekend? I've been, I've been deliberately vague because I don't want to be forced to just give you information about me. It is, that's information that is earned. I truly, this isn't even a joke. It's fucking earned. We become friends. Then you, you'll get every, I'm an open goddamn book. Like, you know, <laughs> I tell you everything. You know, my, like Kimmy and I joke about like old girlfriends that I've had and the, you know, the things that, <laughs> that we've done and, you know, stuff like that. Because I want, I want everything about me to be known. I don't want any secrets. But I don't want like, but let's say Kimmy and I went out on the first date. And Kimmy just asked me on the first date, hey, tell me about all your ex-girlfriends. <laughs> and what, what kind of things you did. I'd be like, uh, all right. Uh, no, I don't think so. But it just, that's, you, you, you develop, you build a rapport and trust and this and that. And yes, again, in the virtual environment, it's not as easy but it can still be done because I've worked in many virtual environments and I have friends. I have actual friends again, not colleagues, actual friends. We are friends on Facebook. We are friends. I have never met them in person and I will never meet them in person. You can become friends virtually. These are coworkers who worked, you know, global banks where you work with people who are not even in the country that you're in 
or the time zone or the continent. It can be done. And we never had to have some bullshit fucking touchy-feely, tell me about your first memory of... No, it never fucking happened. <laughs> you know, I, I, it, it, it happens when it happens. And that's exactly why I don't want this shit to happen because then I have to feel, I feel the need to like tell you something and I'm going to just start making shit up. I honestly am. And because that's exactly what I don't want to happen is for somebody to say, oh, hey, you mentioned video games. That must be the only thing you want to do ever. And I hope, have fun playing all your video games this weekend because it sounds like you don't do anything else. No, there's, I'm not as one dimensional. uh, Okay, whatever. I give up. I'm one-dimensional. That's all I'm going to do is play. You know, like, what if I came back? My manager's childhood memory was, like, going up to a, to a camp and riding horses and eating soup. I don't know. Those, or swimming or something. What if, what if I just, I'm like, hi, I hope, you, I hope you get up to your aunt and uncle's camp this weekend and have soup and ride a horse. Like, I know you're not. Just, huh, it's too much for me. It's too much. I can't, I can't do the, I can't do the contrived fucking involuntary sharing of information. You'll get anything you want out of me when we become friends. And this is not the way that it's going to happen. Oh, what am I even, uh, all right. It's 45 minutes of this. I've got an, it's an hour and 45 minutes between the Super Bowl and the Royal Rumble and now this stuff. It is almost three o'clock on a Saturday. I've, I've uh, I gotta go. I gotta go. It's time to go. What else? There's so much else I wanted to talk about. I actually recorded like eight minutes of something else, and then I, I canceled it because I just I didn't like it. And I'm I'm so t- I I don't even like talking about this. I should I should. This is the end of me talking about work. I thought it was you know the last podcast. I didn't really talk about it. This is going to be the end of it. It's it has to be. It's enough. You you don't need to know anymore. You don't care. Does anybody? I don't even care. I just, uh, it's, it's how I deal with it though. Cause it's a fucking, it's a fucking level of stress and anxiety that I have not had in a very long time. And I had gotten to a place where I had, I had, it was gone not gone. It's never fully gone when you're just a high anxiety person like I am. Uh, oh, by the way, <laughs> uh, cause poor Cam, my oldest child has the same, same shit that I have. And we looked up to get the official definition of uh, perfectionism. And that's uh, perfectionism. Like, it's not just this desire to just like, oh, I'm going to put my best foot forward and do my best work. That's like everybody has that. Everybody wants to do the best I, I, for the most part. Everyone wants to be the best and do the best and, you know, give it, uh, you, you know, put out a good, a good product, whatever that might be, whatever your product is. Uh, you know, I want this podcast to be the best. And perfectionism is not that. <laughs> and it's so funny because I'm reading these descriptions. I'm like, God damn, that was me in elementary school. That's me like since forever. And that's, that's Cam too because Cam got the same shit. Teeny tiny, little Kaylin. It's just like her mother. She's like, I don't have, I don't have any anxiety. I'm not, I'm not nervous on Sunday about school the next day. I don't care. I just am happy. Like she's just, she's just cool as a cucumber, laid back. Ha- People are actually like this, and I know because I'm married to one, and I have 
50% of my offspring are like this. And I'm so fucking jealous that they could just get up and, like, just do their thing. It's another day. I'm going to do my stuff. She just, she doesn't get rattled. She doesn't get upset. She doesn't like to do homework and stuff. And she'll get pissed when we're like, do you need help with the math? No. But, you know, that's just an annoyance that I get. She just doesn't want to be doing it. She's not into math. She wants to do other things. She wants to do art. So I get it. And that's the shitty thing about school is you have to do a bunch of subjects and most of them are probably not going to be of any interest to you later on in life or, you know, your career or anything like that. But she is so fucking laid back about just whatever happens, happens. And then the older one is like, we'll get to five o'clock on a Saturday. And if they spent too much time playing video games instead of playing outside, they start flipping out. Or if they spent too much time outside and didn't play video games, it's a lose-lose. And that's how it is. And that's how I am, too. I can get to, you know, if I, if I feel very stressed out, I'll get to the end of the weekend and be like, I fucking wasted that weekend. And that's, that's happened, like, every weekend since the beginning of January. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I did it wrong. I did the weekend wrong. I should have done better on the weekend. All of 2020, I wasn't stressed out about what was coming my way Monday morning, so I didn't give a shit. Whatever we do on the weekend, it's like, yeah, great. If I don't get to it this weekend, I'll do it next weekend. No big deal. I'm cool. I'm cool either way. Um, but that's because my situation was good. When my situation is not good, I don't do that. And my situation is very stressful right now. And so I get to, well, I get to seven o'clock on Friday night and I'm already stressed about Sunday night because I have now, instead of getting done at five o'clock and going on my walk and having the calendar and the time line up exactly as I wanted it to line up. Now I'm like, you know, I'm throwing my shoe into the closet door because it's, uh, it's six 30 and I still have a bunch of work left to do. And I saved a bunch of it for Monday because I just said, fuck it. I need to be done. And, uh, yeah. And Kaylin is not, she just, she just rolls with the punches. Whatever happens, happens. She's good. When school's over, she's good. When school starts, she's, you know, she's good. She's dressed. She's ready. She's gonna Cam will pull the blanket over their head on the couch sometimes if it's a if it's a high stress situation and say no i don't and i'm not doing school today it ain't happening we're like yeah you are and uh and that's how i am i'm like i you know i can't uh, the last month really i like every every morning is like i i'm not sure i'm going to make it i don't think I'm gonna, <laughs> i don't think i'm going to do it today i don't this might be the day that it just just doesn't happen that i just throw this laptop out into the snow and say sorry you, you know it's over. Oh man, that's weird. Weird stuff. But it's all temporary. That's the other thing. If there's one thing I've learned, everything's temporary. You can fucking change everything. You can change you can do a 180. It might take some work, but you can fucking you can turn that shit around. Good and bad, you know. You can take a good a good thing and 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 180 it into a bad thing or vice versa. So, yeah, that's just it's just going to happen. But listen to this, listen to this. Perfectionism. Uh, it can impact many areas of a person's life. Uh, sometimes one domain, sometimes multiple. In the workplace or at school, people who are perfectionists in school work may take longer to, than others to complete a task. 
I used to sit there while everybody else was like playing games and going out on the playground. I'd be the only kid sitting in the class doing work. Not because I'm dumb. I was in the fucking stupid gifted program, uh, which is a whole other, <laughs> it's a whole other nightmare. Uh, and then, uh, uh, yeah, I would just sit there. And the t- I'll tell you what, the times that were l- least stressful was eighth grade through senior year of high school because I didn't give a fuck. Not to say I didn't try. I still tried. I still got A's. But I didn't fucking care. It meant nothing. I just said, whatever. I'll just do the work and it's going to get done and then I'll get my grade. And my grade was fine. As opposed to taking five times that amount of time to get the same grade. I just said, fuck it. And then something happened in college where I was like, no, I got I to gotta really fucking, uh, you know, I didn't. Oddly enough, college was like the one place I made a, one or two friends. And that was it. That's the only time in life. The place where most people make like some of their lifelong friendships. Uh, there's, there's Heather and there's Keith, who's my friend from high school anyways. So that's about it. And, you know, some acquaintances that I'm no longer really in touch with. A couple that I am. But, yeah, no, one, one like really truly good friendship, my friend Heather. That's it. Because I spent all my time in the fucking library. <laughs> because I went back to the old ways of like, I must do everything to perfection. I must spend every minute doing my work and studying. Oh, and I get, you know, my GPA was good. But like, nobody fucking cares. They look at your resume. I mean, if you're, if you're listen, you can do one of two things on your resume. You can put your GPA or not. If your GPA is good, I put my GPA because I got a 3.8 in uh, undergrad and, and in, in my MBA program because that's all I did was fucking, you know, a maniacal focus, especially on the business school thing because I didn't know shit about accounting and finance and still don't. And uh, yeah, so I had to, boy, oh boy, did I have to put the, uh, the effort into that one. And that's perfectionism, right? It's like, you take longer to complete a task. You avoid starting a task because you don't feel confident in it, often due to a desire to complete the task perfectly. Yep. Intimate relationships or friendships cause people to place their unrealistic standards on their loved ones, bringing extra stress. That's not, I don't find that to be the case. I've, not on other people, on myself. And that's why I'm like socially, it's tough for me to fucking, you know, to, to have a conversation on the phone or to even like even having a get together is you know can be worrisome for me sometimes because the pressure that I put on myself is beyond anything. You know, I saw a joke somewhere about like, hey, it's three a.m. in the morning and I'm lying awake in bed thinking about that three second awkward interaction with a mild acquaintance that I had seven years ago, and I've been thinking about it for the last eight months straight. That's that's like yeah, that's me. That's a lot of people, but I that's fucking every interaction I have. I. I leave it and then I analyze it and I overanalyze it. And then years later, I'm still thinking about like some interactions like, wow, that I should have done. I did it wrong. I fucked it. I fucking fucked up all my interactions. Uh, physical activity. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Um, environment and surroundings, hygiene, health, speaking. Yeah. Yeah. 
But anyways, fear of disapproval from others, feelings of insecurity and inadequacy is what causes it. Mental health issues like anxiety. Yeah, I mean, like, fuck. I know this is like, this is not what this podcast started out to be. This is just like fucking dick jokes. Now I'm talking about my, (laughs) now I'm talking about all my problems. I've run out of dick jokes and stories. So now it's just like, I'm on the, I'm on the therapy couch. So, you know, sorry, not sorry. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's shitty because like it's, it's, uh, it's a combination, you know, when I'm, when I'm overly stressed about something and I, when I say like, oh, this job is not so great. A lot of it is the job is maybe not so bad. It's just me. It's my perception of it and my handling of it. So I don't know. What's the point of any of this I'm saying? I don't know. I'm just saying it. I'm just like fucking talking into my phone. That's what I'm doing right now. But I'm going to leave. I said I was going to be done a long time ago. And now I'm really going to be done because I've been, this is like a two hour podcast. Jesus fuck. All right. I, I need to go. I think I, yeah, I do. I need to go. <laughs> I can't sit here and talk. There's there's basketball games. No, that's a hockey game. What happened to the basketball game? Oh, that was three hours ago. I'm just realizing. I've been doing this for way too long. Is this enough? It's enough. I don't know what to... There's so much else to talk about, but I just... Uh, yeah, it's this is what I'm talking about today. And I have other things from the week that I wish I... Yeah, people being excited about the huge agenda... And then I, you know, I give my feedback on a meeting and then it's crickets. It's the weirdest thing. Like the last, like this week, I've been asked a question and I've given an answer and I feel like it's a pretty good answer. And then I stop and then there's nothing. And then someone says the equivalent of like, I ate soup and everyone's like really engaged in the conversation. And I'm like, I, okay, I don't know. Uh, you got my Super Bowl picks. Uh, there's so many other things. Yeah, for, yeah, weekend plans. Eh, sixth grade bus ride. I got to talk about that at some point. I used to walk to school, and then I had to I had to walk home with a goldfish. I brought my goldfish to school for a science project, but I left but I left it there, and I forgot to bring food. And then uh, somebody called me fish killer, and so I asked. The assistant principal or the dean, Mr. Hamilton, whatever Mr. Hamilton's job was, I asked him if I could, because I lived within walking distance. And what a difference between 1992 and 2021. Can you imagine if a kid asked like, hey, can I just got to walk home for a second? I'll be right back. No fucking way ever. But in 1992, I said, hey, I got to carry my goldfish home. uh, (laughs) And I live like 10 minutes away. He's like, okay, let's hurry up. I, I was back like an hour later. Yeah, it's 10 minutes if I was driving a car. It took me 10 minutes to walk across the football field alone and then and then walk up the street and then the the mile walk down my, my neighborhood to get to my house and then put the fish back and then feed the fish and then walk back and another 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So it was an hour, but nobody cared. Nobody was like, hey, uh, Mr. Hamilton, can I carry my fish home? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'll be back in like 10 minutes. And then an hour later, and I walked to the door. Back in the day when the doors were just unlocked and any asshole could just walk into a school. And uh, was anybody, uh, you know, were the police out looking for me? Was the principal waiting by the front door? Like, where the hell have you been? Nope. Nobody. 
I'm sure the second that I asked that fucker, hey, can I walk my, can I bring my fish home? I live right, I just pointed to like arbitrarily. I'm like, I live right over there. Eh, I suppose so. Just hurry on back. <laughs> and, uh, and this, this, this Hamilton was, he was basically the, the personification of, he, I mean, he was the living embodiment of, of Principal Skinner from The Simpsons. He even looked like him, he even had the cowlick. Anyway, uh, okay, well, just hurry back. And, uh, and I came back and nobody was there and nobody, like, nobody even cared. Like, I went to my class and nobody was like, hey, why are you an hour late? Where have you been? Nothing. I just came back. <laughs> it's crazy. I guess that's the story. Yeah, I, I brought this fish in for science class for something, for some project, for some presentation. And I just left it there. And then I walked it home. And the thing is, I just pictured like, all right, I'm just going to run across the field, the football fields and the soccer fields. And I'm going to cross the very busy road that has a very small shoulder. And then I'm going to walk down my neighborhood and I'm going to get to my house and I'm going to feed the fish and I'm going to come back. And that's going to take like, what, what, 10 minutes? Yeah. No, it's going to take an hour. It's going to take an hour. <laughs> and, the, and, and then walking across the field was because it's grass and it's dirt. You know, it's a football, it's a soccer field. It's just, it's just grass. And so this poor fish, I don't know if it was a goldfish. I think it was a beta fish. You know, those things die pretty quickly anyways. I think it was a beta fish. But anyways, it's just in the fishbowl with this cloudy water that needs to be clean and hasn't eaten in like three days. And, I'm, and the fish is, you know, because I'm walking, I'm just holding the bowl uncovered in, in my arms in front of me. You know, like you'd carry a, a you know a bundle of, of of firewood from a from a wood pile, and uh, <laughs> I'm scaring this fish in the middle of lunch that's just sloshing around in the bowl, walking down the, the football field to the street, the busy street, and then the neighborhood road, and yeah, okay, so I guess I did. There, there's the there it is. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, you're talking about social anxiety. I'll tell you about sixth grade, the bus ride. Because I live, I was one of those people. I was like, oh, because in elementary school, my mom was a teacher. She was, she would give us a ride to school every day. The middle school, was, you know, you walk to the end of the neighborhood and you cross the street and pretty much there's the middle school. So I said, oh, I'm so close. I'm just going to walk to middle school. And my parents, if my kid said that, I'd be like, the fuck you are. I'm driving you to middle school. I don't care if middle school is in our backyard. I'm driving you to middle school. And, uh. Back then, my parents were like, oh, you sure you don't want to take the bus? No, nah, I'm going to walk. Okay. And I would just leave every morning. They'd be like, okay, see ya. Go walk to school. Bye. <laughs> and you cross a road. It's not a busy road, but the people go exceedingly fast because it's just a straightaway. It's like a fucking runway. You could probably land planes on, on High Mills Road or at least a, a, a portion of it. And there's a hill at the top of it. And it's just a, one, it's a total blind spot. And I, like an idiot, that's where I would cross the street. Like, I would just never thought of, I just, just a dope, and I would just cross the street. And, uh, you know, and then I would just scurry. If a car came across the hill, I would just scurry over to the other side and run, j- jump over the, the, the drainage ditch and then walk across the football field or the soccer field. And I did that every day, and then it got, it got pretty tiresome. <laughs> and I was like, eh, I'll just take the bus. But at that point... I hadn't taken the bus at all, and it was starting to get, it was like the winter months, so I'm like, eh, it's pretty cold, I'll take the bus. And I would get on the bus, and we were the last stop, and I was the only, for some reason, I was the only person getting on the bus, I don't know why, 
nobody else was in middle school or they all got rides or whatever reason. It was just me. And by the time I got on the bus, uh, I would get on there and all the seats, I mean, it was fucking Forrest Gump. All the seats had two people in a seat. You can fit three in a seat. And it was all the older kids. It was all like high school kids. <laughs> and the only seat of middle school kids was uh, uh, was Andy Sheridan from my neighborhood and and Big Greg Zach, who, two people who are very good friends now. And uh, this other kid, Aaron Green, who he was okay. Um, those are the only people I knew. And they would sit together. And I was so terrified. I would try to sit with other people. And it was like Forrest Gump. Like, can't sit here. This seat's taken. Uh-uh. My books are resting on this seat. And uh, there's me and my skids and my hyper-color t-shirt and my neon windbreaker. Trying to find a fucking seat on the bus for the next just like three minutes to get to the goddamn middle school. And I like sweat is pouring. Like, oh my God. Can, so, can one of you big kids just let me sit with you? I know I look ridiculous with my big hair that looks like Sylvester Stallone or Fred Savage. And my hyper-color t-shirt and my skids. And my fucking multicolored neon pink and orange and purple and yellow and green windbreaker. I know I look stupid, but I'm 11. I don't know any better. I'm, you know, my, this is what I've chosen. This is the style that I've chosen for myself because I don't know any better. And nobody would, you know, they were all at, nobody would move in. And so then I would sit with Aaron Green and Andy Sheridan and Greg Zach. And which I guess... Andy Sheridan lived in my neighborhood, so he must have gotten on the bus at the same time as me and just got on first. And, uh, and I would try to sit with, with those three. And they would, uh, you know, they would push me out of the seat. And then while I'm being pushed out of the seat onto the floor, <laughs> and now I'm, just, now I'm just in the aisle squatting, and I'm not on a seat at all. I'm just like, I'm holding on to something, you know, the, the little railing in front of the seat or something. And I, they've pushed me out of the seat. And they're like, why don't you go find another place to sit? I'm like, nobody will fucking let me sit with them. Okay, ass fuck. And, uh, and then meanwhile, as they are pushing me out of the seat, the bus driver is yelling at me. She's like, three in a seat. Three in a seat. <laughs> go find another seat. And I'd be like, I tried that. I've tried to do that. And then I would get up and the bus is moving and I'm like, you know, I'm falling into people's laps and like, ah, the fuck, man. It's all high school kids. They're like, what the fuck? Nice skids, fuck face. <laughs> nice pink windbreaker, asshole. <laughs> oh, my God. I love your neon orange sunglasses, you pussy. And so I'm just like, somebody, Please. <laughs> And then someone would reluctantly, they would like, they would move ever so slightly. I would get like an inch of the, the edge of the seat, which was somehow less than the amount of seat space I had after being pushed out of the seat with Aaron and Big Greg and Andy. And it's funny because, yeah, I, I love Andy Sheridan. He's a great guy. And we're friends. Greg, Zach, Big Greg, we're pals. I love Big Greg. And Aaron Green, we were, you know, we were cool eventually in high school. We were fine. Uh, whatever. No, whatever. But uh, at that time, it was like, oh my God. And, and, and every morning was just, yeah, because these are the kind of scenarios that I get myself into. And it's like, it's a chicken or the egg thing. It's like, does do, do I have high anxiety because I find myself in these scenarios? Or do I find myself in these scenarios because I have high anxiety and I'm like, 
I don't know what to, I'm too stupid to know what to do. (laughs) At that age, anyways, like, I would, I would know, you know, nowadays I know how to ride a fucking bus. (laughs) Oh my god, but anyway, oh, it's so much fun. This is fun. There's my favorite, that's what I should have taught. Next time, that's my favorite childhood memory. Trying to ride the bus and getting pushed out onto the floor by Big Greg and Andy Sheridan and Aaron Green while the bus driver is screaming at me to find a seat. Three in a seat! Pick a seat! Any seat! Not that seat! That seat's taken! What's wrong with you, you fuck? Can somebody just let me sit with them, please? Anybody? Somebody? I'm begging you. My skins and I are begging you. Ah, uh, that should have been my, my fucking childhood memory. It's all, yeah, it should all just be trauma from now on. It'd be like when George Costanza tried to get that apartment and they were going to give it to the Andrea Doria survivor and he just told his whole story about his childhood and growing up as the son of Frank and Estelle Costanza and everybody was horrified. <laughs> and they were sobbing in tears listening to George's childhood. That's what I'm going to do from now on on these team meetings at work. Just tell any story of my life, how how I brought a fish in for a science project and forgot to bring food, and then all the kids were, like, yelling at me, like, oh, the fish is going to die. He's going to kill the fish. And then Kim LaPointe turned around and just looking at, scowling at me and going, you're a fish killer, fish killer. And then I'm like, ah. I don't want to kill a fish. He's my fish. I brought him in for the science project. I don't know. I'm just trying to survive. And the fish is going to die. Mr. Hamilton, can I bring my fish home, please? It'll only take 10 minutes. Three days later, I show up at the front door thinking that everybody's going to be relieved that I made it okay. And nobody is fucking even knows that I was gone. (laughs) And then the next day, I'm like, I'm done walking to school. I'm going to take the bus. And then I get pushed out into the aisle and the bus driver screams at me for being a moron. Um, But the big kids won't let me sit with them. Well, the little kids won't either because they're pushing me out of the seat. Where am I supposed to go? Mom, Dad, we have to move. We have to move to at least the next stop before our stop so I can at least guarantee that I'm going to have a seat on this bus. I'm going to take Andy Sheridan's seat. Can we move to whatever the neighborhood is that they pick up before this stop so I can actually get a fucking seat on the bus? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was good fun. But then, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. Eighth grade came along, and I was just fucking happy as a clam, cocky as a motherfucker. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, the the switch flipped. So I'm like, man, I'm going to get eaten alive if I don't do something here. If I don't fucking, you know burn these skids in my windbreakers and just start wearing a, a Doors t-shirt the, the same Doors t-shirt every day for the next two weeks and my jeans and my white hooded sweatshirt that's never fucking seen a washing machine that's gonna be my new style is I don't give a shit this is the new this is the new maze fuck you I don't care and uh, it served me well it has served me well all the times that I've really put forth effort it's it hasn't served me well uh, you know, when I stayed, like I've said before, when I stayed late to uh, to help uh, set up the displays at KB Toys, and that was one of the reasons I got fired. And then at my next job, I fucking half-assed the shit out of everything, and everybody loved me. So there's just, you know, 
it's just good to not give a fuck. Anyway. Okay, now I've gone on for even longer. Wow. Now it is definitely time to go. Have a great week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay is going to win the Super Bowl. And uh, and that's it. That's all I can tell. The school bus, that's the worst place. On, isn't that... Isn't the school bus just the worst? Is it still like that? My kids have never set foot on a bus. And a lot of that is because of me. I'm like, I, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. It ain't happening. Nothing good happens on the bus. The worst people ride the bus. The worst things happen on the bus. The bus is awful. The bus is a bad place. The bus is the bad place. Uh, so my kids have never, and they, they, they may very well finish out their entire <laughs> grade school career having never once set foot other than field trips uh, on a big yellow bus because it's 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 bad stuff it's bad people bad stuff it's not good it's, it's for bad people anyway all right that's it i'm out of here the fucking day's over now I, now you, you talk about reg- i started this at 12 30 it's 3 30 for christ's sakes what am i doing here why do i do this all right have a good week everybody enjoy the super bowl we'll talk to you I don't know when I'm going to talk to you again. I got to take. I think I might have to take some time, <laughs> some time, do some best of. I might replay the uh, episode nine, which was the uh, the bank life episode, where I, I read through some of my my draft uh, outline scripts of of my highly popular once it once it gets made and uh, and gets to a, a network or something a Netflix, perfect for Netflix by the way, or, or one of those Peacock or something. Uh, it's going to be a big success. It's going to be a big hit. I just have to write. I just have to write it and then make it. That's all I have to do. You know. Anyway, I, I think I might play that next week for some of the new listeners or people who haven't heard it in a while. It's. I thought that was a good podcast episode. That's probably what we're going to get next week. Anyways, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy whatever the fuck it is you do. We'll see you next time on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Uh, have a great day. Have a great week. Blah blah blah. Positivity. Stupid kindness matters. Talk to you next time. Later, Gators. Gators.